0: Welcome back to all the full life viewers. And let me just tell you, you are here on the right show because this is going to be a really impactful one. Over the last couple of weeks between the coronavirus or racial tensions or political divides, you know, we've talked about how it's really a difficult time, a turbulent time in our country, but also in the body of Christ. But as believers, we are always called to keep our minds and hearts focused on the word and love of God, and an important part of doing that is really constantly renewing our mind, making sure that we have no biases or emotions or hurts that could be taking us out of alignment with the will of God, and to that effect, I can think of no other person, and I'm so humbled and honored that he will join us today. I think of he's one of the most influential uh, teachers of our generation, I have to say, and certainly made a personal impact for me. He certainly needs no introduction, but I'll do one anyway. John Bevere and his wife Lisa are the founders of Messenger International. A minister and best-selling author, John delivers messages of uncompromising truth with boldness and passion. His desire is to support the local church and resource leaders, regardless of location, language, or financial position. When he's home, John tries to convince Lisa to take up golf and spends time with his four sons, daughters-in-law, and grandbabies. Please welcome John Bevere. Joseph, what a privilege it is to be with you today. Thank you for
1: having me on. It's it's really good not only to be with you, but with our other guests that are on the screen as well, Hank and Carolyn and uh, uh, Jenny, who I've known Jenny for years and years. So thank you for having me. And I'm so happy we're getting to talk about this subject today.
0: Yes, it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be really impactful for a lot of people. And let's, I think we should just dive right in. The first question uh, for me, John is, you know, For the people that, you know, maybe want the believers, and I'm talking to believers, the ones that maybe want to renew their mind or those that not really sure how to start. Like, what is the first step with renewing, going through that process of renewing your mind?
1: Well, the Bible says that we're transformed uh, by the renewing of our mind. And that to me is amazing that we're literally changed when we get our thinking in line with God's thinking. Remember, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways aren't your ways. So what has to happen is when we're born again, we get a brand new spirit. And now our spirit has the desires that God does because we're we're, we're his, we're literally one with him in our spirit. However, the mind has the choice of listening to the spirit or doing what we've always done before. So in the case of uh, humanity, if you look at humanity all down through the years, one of the biggest obstacles of humanity walking in true harmony, which God desires, is offenses. And offenses are, I have been done wrong and I'm going to get even. I'm going to get payback. And that is the classic old saying of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth.
2: I I can't even tell you how many times I've referenced Um, bait of Satan uh, to our church recently because I I really feel like this is a definitely a stronghold um, that has really gripped the church recently more than ever, especially, you know, we've talked about on the show um, how a lot of our stuff really started to explode during Pentecost, during the time we're supposed to be unified. And that time that unity brought the Holy Spirit, we have all this fracturing that's come, you know, a lot of it from offense. And, and you talk about it, of course, in the bait of Satan. What does the Bible say specifically about offense? And why is offense in our thoughts and our hearts so very dangerous for the body of Christ, yeah. especially?
1: Well, I, if you look at the person that could have been offended more than any other human being on the planet, it would have been Jesus. Jesus never committed one sin. He never committed one offense against God. He never did anything wrong. Yet he was treated as a criminal. Put to death by in a murder, in in, in a way a murderer is put to death. And yet he chose to forgive. And he's the only innocent human being that's ever lived. There's not one human being that's walked on this earth that is truly, truly innocent except Jesus.
3: Hmm. Because the
1: Bible makes it so clear, all of us have fallen short of God's righteous standard. So Jesus came to set an example. And Peter writes about this. Extensively, he said that if you have been treated wrongly, if you've been treated as an evildoer when you have done right, he said you're called to handle this correctly because Jesus left us his personal example, who never committed sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. But when he was insulted, he didn't insult back. When, uh-huh. he was, uh, when he was threatened, he didn't threaten back. But now here's the key. But he committed himself into the hands of his father who would judge righteously.
2: Right. So good. So in other
1: words, picture this right. Jesus is in the highest court of law. Uh, it, it would be the United States Supreme Court for us. The leaders of the nation, we must remember Israel was under Roman oppression, but Roman, the, Roman, the Romans would allow Israel to still govern themselves. So a Pharisee was not only a spiritual leader, he was a governmental leader. Mm-hmm. So we have the most influential men in the entire nation in the highest court of law, and they are absolutely telling lies about Jesus to try to get him crucified. And in Mark chapter 16, it says they're hurling these lies in this highest court. So there's no court higher to appeal to. And Jesus doesn't answer one word. And the Bible says, here's Pilate who has sat in this seat many, many times and watched men being accused and frantically defending themselves. Pilate finally interrupts the proceedings and says, Hey Jesus, what are you doing? Why aren't you, why aren't you answering? Because Pilate knows he's innocent. Okay. His wife had a dream and sent him a warning and said, This is a godly man. This is all wrong. What's going down? Right. So he knows he's innocent, and yet he's not defending himself. And that's the personal example that Jesus left us. Now listen to what, now, Joseph, I love this. You just said that we're supposed to renew our mind. Isn't it interesting? That's Romans 12. Let me read you Romans 13, right? After we are told to renew our mind, listen to these words like we've never heard them before. Never, this is verse 17, or excuse me, uh, this is still Romans chapter 12. So we haven't even left chapter 12 yet. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do, do, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Boy, does this apply to our society today. Yeah. Dear friends, never take revenge. Now that's a command. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. So there was a day in which my my boss, and this was my life. I've got two young children, and my immediate superior is trying to destroy me, and he's fabricating lies about me. And I finally had proof of his lies. And I was going to bring it to my senior pastor because I was one of 11 pastors at a very, very large church. I had proof that he was lying of his mode of everything that he was doing. And I made an appointment with the senior pastor and I'm in prayer the morning of that meeting. And I've got no peace in my spirit. And I said, now, God, what's wrong? Am I sharing this wrong? Should I show the should I show the evidence first, then tell what he, or should I tell what he's done and then show the evidence? I'm getting no peace, absolutely no peace. And finally, after about 35 minutes of wrestling with this, that early in that morning, before I was meeting with my senior pastor, I screamed. I literally yelled. I mean, now here I am still in my 20s. I yelled, God, you don't, want to show you don't want me to show this to my pastor, do you? And the peace of God went whoosh. And I'm sitting there going, I don't get this. And then God showed me something that morning. Now, guys, I'm, I'm going to stand up and illustrate what I saw. <laughs> but the Lord said to me, he, he said, as long as you're defending yourself, this is what I'm doing. And I saw the Lord from his shoulders down with his arms behind his back. And I knew.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Now, Now, now you're going to think this is crazy what I'm about to say. I knew. His hands were tied. Okay. I knew he was restrained from moving. And he said, as long as you defend yourself, I can't defend you. Mm-hmm. Wow. He said, but the moment you commit this to me, so it's not a passive thing. Well, you know, God will take care of it. No, you commit it to him. Who? Listen to the scripture again. Who, when he was insulted, did not insult return? When he was threatened, did not threaten return? But he committed his case Mm. into the hands of him who judges righteously. So the Lord said, "Is the moment you give this to me, this is what I saw. I saw him now working on my behalf, Mm. and I realized at that moment that it is according to this scripture, and this is all over the Bible. Mm -hmm. It is an un." righteous thing for God's people to get even. Wow. It is a righteous thing for God to get even for his people. Wow. Hmm. That's what he means. Yeah. I'm going to take the revenge. I will repay. But if you do it, I won't do it. Hmm. But we
2: have pastors that are actually standing up and supporting People taking revenge, John. I mean, that's been blowing my mind. I've heard the teaching. I've heard the messages. Yes, you know, what? you're angry. You're, you feel wrong. Yes, you should fight to take back. You know, how do we as pastors, how can we even justify that? Or, or the other one I love is t-shirts that people were wearing, Christians saying Jesus resisted. That was the one that absolutely just slays me because like that's the, that's the opposite of what he did. He didn't resist. And, mm-hmm. and I just think this message is so powerful to hear because pastors are teaching the opposite. Which blows so, my mind.
1: What does the Bible say about the last days? Let's talk about this. Matthew chapter 10 or 24. Jesus said in the last days, many are going to be offended. All right. So the word many means the majority, and he's not talking about society. He's talking about Christians.
2: Yeah. I oh.
1: know that because he said because of the offense, the love, the Greek word that is used is agape. So the world doesn't have agape, only Christians. So because of the offenses, the love of God in their hearts is going to grow cold. Now let's let's put this together. What Paul tells Timothy, these are the last words Paul wrote on the plan. He said, "In the last days, people are not going to endure sound teaching. Right. Mm-hmm. They're going to mm-hmm. keep up for themselves teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. What do we want to hear? I want to get even. That's right. Okay. I want. I want to set the score straight." I have been mistreated. I'm going to mistreat. Yet Jesus is the only innocent person that's ever lived. So I want to tell you how right in that same time period, the exact same time period Mm -hmm. that I'm going through this with the guy trying to destroy me. I was in the gym working out with a WWF wrestler. Now, what I'm about to say is going to blow you away, but it's true. There was a guy in Orlando, Florida, where I lived, who got a little irritated with his 18-month-old little girl. She, I guess, in his opinion, was crying too much. He got so irritated, he turned on the broiler. Oh, God. After several minutes, pulled the rack out of the broiler. Now the rack is red hot and started bouncing her up and down on that rack. And gave her second and third degree burns. Now, I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym. And these guys, every one of them could break me in half. Because my next door neighbor was a WFF wrestler. And he wa- he was committed to help me work out. Right? Those guys wanted to kill this guy. I mean, the anger in that gym over what this guy did to that little girl was... I mean, it was red hot in there when they were talking because the radio's playing in the gym and they're, you know, the news comes on. They announce it. These guys are like, let me add him. I want to kill him for what he's done to that little girl. But now let me ask you something. And, and this is going to blow you away when you hear what I'm about to say, because this is how the Lord dealt with me about it. So I'm going to do it the same same way on this program. What was done to that girl is the worst thing I can think of that can be done to a human being on this planet. What he did to her, as horrific as it is, is nothing nothing compared to burning in a sulfur lake of fire forever and ever and ever. That's what all of us deserved. Mm. But God chose to forgive us before we ever said, I'm sorry. So Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing when he's hanging on the cross. So he forgave us before we ever said, I'm sorry. Mm. So I hear people saying, well, I'll forgive them when they apologize, or I'll forgive them when they make it right. What if Jesus would have done that with us? We would have burned in a a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And Jesus made this really clear in Matthew 18. He said, the very worst thing that we can do to one another is like a $10,000 debt compared to what we did to God, which is like a $10 billion debt. So there is a statement that I've made for years. And if you really listen to these words, they'll make sense. But a person who refuses to forgive is a person that's forgotten what they've been forgiven of Mm -hmm. Mm. or never realized what they've been forgiven of. See, we allow people to get, quote, saved before really showing them what they needed to be saved from. If I say to a person, just pray a sinner's prayer. Okay, I want to spend eternity with Jesus. Cool. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my savior. All right, I'm a Christian. But they never realized that the law was given for one reason, to show us that we deserve to burn in a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. So the law was the school teacher that led us to the grace of God and the forgiveness of God so if i thought that hey i'm just i'm a good person i mean you know man i i mess up sometimes but you know i haven't hurt anybody you deserve to burn in a lake of fire forever and ever and so did i and it's only because god chose to forgive us which means clear the record before we ever paid up if we would have paid off god for what we did to him burning in the lake of fire would have been our just payoff forever and ever and ever because God's not unjust. So he's not going to allow a person to go to hell forever and ever and ever if it's not the just payment for what we did against him. But yet he chose to forgive before the just payment was made.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: So how can we as Christians see Jesus said they're going to know we're we're going to they're going to know they're my disciples by their love one for another.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is love with the stuff you're talking about Jenny? Where is for love love and forgiveness are hand in hand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I love you but I refuse to forgive you. You don't love me?
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: I mean, nice words but they're empty. Yeah. Jesus had actions. I mean, guys, you know what? I've been meditating a lot. I mean, I've had a lot of time to think during this COVID-19 lockdown. I'm sorry. I'm probably dominating the conversation. (laughs) Um, I have been in this very office so many days in tears because I'm trying to imagine what Jesus left to come and be born in a major. Okay? And so... I'm just like completely overwhelmed that he would leave a place that Paul said is so far better than being here. That words can't describe it. He leaves it because he loves us that much. Now that's action.
4: You talked about, um, you have this statement, which I think it's, it's kind of amazing because on one hand, it's really freeing. But it might be a little terrifying for some of us too because it puts responsibility on us. You say... No devil or person can take you out of the will of God other than you. Um, and then to kind of maybe ground us on that, you do a, a really good example of Joseph. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit?
1: Oh, Hank, I'd love to. And uh, Hank, I'd love to be at the beach with you. It looks like you're, you're enjoying yourself right now. Anyway, um, yes, I'd love to amplify in that. God had a calling on Joseph's life. And his brothers said, we're going to destroy this calling. We're going to destroy his dream by selling him as a slave into a foreign land. And back in those days, when you were sold as a slave into a foreign land, and it's not just those days, it's been in recent times as well. Not only would you be a slave the rest of your life, but your child, your wife would be a slave the rest of her life. Your children would be slaves the rest of your life. So you worked the rest of your life building somebody else's legacy. Now, it's one thing to be born a slave and never know freedom. It's another thing to be completely free, completely free, and have your own brothers rob you of the inheritance of a very wealthy father whose father walked with kings, have it all stripped from you because of your own brothers, and now you are put in slavery for the rest of your life. They said... We don't want to kill him because his blood will be on our hands, but let's make him a living dead man by making him a slave. So, God's the one that gives Joseph this dream, right? Joseph stays obedient to God, and the result is 19 years later 10 years slavery, two years dungeon two years famine, or excuse me, seven years plenty, two years of famine added up. It's 19 years later. 19 years later, here comes those brothers. And God the whole time is going, you guys think you're going to knock him out of what I have planned for him? You can't do it. You're actually going to be the instruments that fulfill my plan for him. So when we this is why Peter, when Peter says, you know, hey, bless those that curse you. Do what Jesus did. Imitate him and because he takes it from chapter two to chapter three. He said, who can harm you when you understand this truth? All they're doing is they're propelling you into your destiny. Now, now stay with me. Uh-huh. We think that that evil person that has mistreated me got one step ahead of God. Mm -hmm. And see how ridiculous it is when it's said out loud. (laughs) So, you know, Joseph's brothers thinks think we're destroying this dream. If Joseph would think like a lot of us are thinking today that Miss Jenny talked about, they would think they are saying, in essence, saying What has been done has gotten one step ahead of God. When in reality, God's saying, I'm going to use what's done to propel people into their destiny if they continue to obey me. So what what do we do? What is obedience? Forgiveness. What does Joseph do when his brothers come back? He blesses them. He gives Mm -hmm. them a double fold, gives them their money back, then gives five times to Benjamin. They're terrified. He's going to kill us. He's going to kill us, what we did to him for all these years. And yet he blesses them, gives them the best land in the country. That's a man. See, Joseph is such a type of Christ. That's a man who has true forgiveness in his heart. He has the character and nature of God in his heart.
0: Well, I was particularly convicted by uh, your teaching on David and his – him as a leader, and as a follower, he didn't sway from the word of God in his leadership. Um, Can you speak to that story as well?
1: I mean, think of David, your boss, God is the one that puts your boss over you, yet your boss is trying to kill you. (laughs) He's hurling spears at you and literally trying to pin you to a wall. And then David gets an opportunity to kill him. And he actually feels bad that he's cut off a corner of his robe just to prove his innocence. He finally has proven his innocence because in the back of his mind, he's going, somebody told Saul, I'm after his throne. I'm rebellious. I'm going to I'm going to usurp his authority. He's proven his innocence. And now Saul, two chapters after that, comes hunting after him again with 3000 of the special ops soldiers of Israel. Can you imagine the devastation in David? Oh, my gosh. I have literally proven to this man my innocence. This man has killed 90 90 priests. I think it was 90 priests, their wives and little babies in cold blood because they gave me some bread.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, this man is lunatic. But David says, I'm not going to avenge myself. I'm going to let God do it. And because he did that, he was called a man after God's heart. If you look at the very foundation of Calvary, what is it? It's forgiveness.
3: I was just talking about this with a friend. I I I love, I love your book, John. Your wife sent it to me many years ago when we were really going through a tough time in our life, and it got me through. Because we've all been offended. What's the scripture? It's impossible to go without offense. You talk about isolation. When we're going through offense, we feel like we're the only people that are going through it, you know?
1: And what an offended heart does is it gets you to focus on yourself mm-hmm. instead of focusing on others. We are called to focus on others. The love of God always wants to reach out, but what an offense does is get your focus on you, and you begin to dry up. Everything's about me, and now you're keeping score on everything. I mean, it is. I I I have watched people, Carolyn, and I'm talking about in our family, literally spiral down. Yeah. To Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're hearing everything that's being done wrong to me. And you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> really? You thought that was be- something being done to- wrong to yeah. you. When in reality, it wasn't. That really wasn't the motive. You know, mm-hmm. we know, other family members that, 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 wasn't the motive. Yeah. Yeah. But you see things through a colored filter and you don't see things right anymore and it's scary because your filter is polluted your filter is 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 defiled and now the way you perceive people's words their actions it's gone through a filter because you are self-focused and you've dried up the love of god in you is drying up so you know what's left self-preservation
3: mm-hmm.
1: that's that's what happened at the fall so now you're going back you're regressing to your fallen nature of our flesh. So what happens is your spirit, unforgiveness cuts off the voice of the spirit so that now your flesh is the, you're, you're, you're you're doing everything that way. This is why in Romans one, God says, I'm going to give them over to a mind that just doesn't think right. So when we, carry willful sin and to carry an offense is willful sin okay. because forgiveness isn't an option it's i mean i can show you three times more scriptures in the new testament where a person will not be forgiven by god if they don't forgive then i can a person will not be forgiven by god if they murder or yeah. commit adultery
2: so true wow I mean,
0: lord's
3: prayer But don't you think our culture has sort of created this feeling? I mean, we live in such an I culture. It's all iPads, I me. It's Everything's about me. And so if you do me wrong, it's not about you. It's about me. And I feel like we've sort of programmed our culture to think that way. And so when we go back to the word, it it doesn't make sense because the word says think of others, but culture says think of yourself. It's unnatural for most people these days.
1: Carolyn, that's brilliant. And can I say this? In my unhealthy times, when I was offended, I saw things wrong. And I got angrier every time somebody did something to me.
3: Yeah.
1: Can I tell you when I got free from offense and the love of God was burning strong and hot in my heart, do you know what happens? I get empathy and compassion when people hurt me. When they do something wrong to me, I'm like, oh, wow. That's why Jesus could speak so tenderly to Jesus when he's standing there with a mob and weapons. And he realizes he's been betrayed by one of his closest friends Hmm. because Jesus was so empathetic. He was so compassionate towards. And he called him his friend. And I mean, it's really amazing. I never ever in my own ability could have had the compassion to have empathy and compassion for somebody that is actually hurting me, trying to destroy me. But, you know, I go on my social media and I say the stuff that's written, gosh, you should see some of the stuff and they just get mad at me and I feel compassion. I had this one guy, I had no idea he was a pastor in England, but oh, I mean, he was ripping into me and I just felt so sad for him. Because I was like, what is wrong? And I just started responding with such empathy and grace and refused to defend myself. And do you know, that guy ended up becoming a big, huge fan. He actually wrote to our ministry and said, the only reason I am doing this and now a follower of Messenger International is I watched the way John responded to me. Hey, Carolyn, if that was me when I was offended, I would have tore him into him. I would have ripped him in two. But we see things correctly. I I, I don't believe Jesus is going to look at people and say, depart from me. I think he's going to weep and go, I don't know who you are. And he's going to weep. I mean, the Bible says that there's going to be tears. And I just believe that he's like, I did everything I could to win you into my family. And you just refused. And so you've got to, you've got to leave me. You don't have, you don't have my nature. You don't have my character and you'll pollute all of heaven. If I let you in and he's going to go depart from me as he's weeping.
4: Where you're talking about now, it sounds like the end goal where you ended up with compassion and empathy. Um, so I guess two questions. The first one is how do we get there? Cause a lot of us do carry these offenses. You know, you talked about how when you were maybe in the flesh or, yeah, like very, very offended how you would have reacted, but now how do you react there? Um, so that's my first question. Talk a little bit about healing. What does that look like? But I'm also curious too, is, is what you're sharing with us and the listeners and watchers, is this just for individual offenses or corporate offenses? So for example, even in our culture now, um, part of why people are offended is not just, you know, John upset me or, or Jenny upset me. Um, it's about the corporate nature of sin, and yeah. and I think even biblically, God comes down a little bit differently on um, vengeance as mine says the Lord to the corporate nature of sin.
1: Hank, you are asking, both you and Carolyn are asking amazing questions, and Jenny, um, I want I want to speak to this. Um, um, let me let me open up with a little example. Uh, I think it was five years ago. I went to Armenia and preached to thirty five hundred pastors. Mm and um as you guys know our passion is to resort pastors all over the world and um we have in the last 10 years by the grace of god been able to give away over 37 million resources to pastors and leaders in 227 nations and um this this particular conference in the middle east we had pastors there from iran we afghanistan they were from turkey they were from all over and i look at this church in in um armenia And they give so much time and effort and resources to reaching the Turkish people. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Yet a hundred years ago, I think it was a little over a hundred years ago. The Ottoman Empire, the Turks, Mm
4: -hmm.
1: murdered in cold blood over a million Armenians. Yet here's this church Mm -hmm. Doing everything they can to serve the Turkish people.
4: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. How, 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 there's your corporate example right there. Yeah. They're free. There has been so much done. I mean, look at the six million Jews. Some say eleven million Jews that were killed by by Hitler. Mm-hmm. Yet you look at. The Ukrainians and the Russians that were killed by Stalin—some say 20 million—that's what they tell me when I'm over there. They're, they say the records are in, in, incorrect. Hmm. Yet I watch the Ukrainian people passionately trying to reach the Russian people. Hmm. Wow. I, I watch. Wow. I, I watch the Jews. You know, and and and, and you know what? Jewish Christians reaching out.
2: To Germans, Germans, we have a church, King of Kings. Our church in Jerusalem has a campus in Germany to minister to the Germans, and they're made up of Jews ministering to them. Thank people you. That to people that could have their parents could have killed their parents, if that makes sense. Right. John I didn't mean to interrupt you. No,
1: I needed that. I needed. That. <laughs> I, I I couldn't pull an example out on that particular one. I could with the. Yeah. I could with the, the Ukrainians. So we have a choice.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, are are we you know, you choose if I pick up the fence corporately as a people, Mm -hmm. then we're going to suffer still. Yeah. If I choose to bless, then guess what? I have a massive reward coming. Hey, let's talk about Jesus. I mean, he's born into a very oppressed time. Mm -hmm. Um, The Jews were terribly oppressed by the Romans. I mean, if the Roman soldier said, walk my horse a mile, you had to do it. You had to drop everything. I don't care if you had an appointment. I, you had to do it. And they took taxes, lots of money. You know, they just stripping and raping the Jewish nation, right? But Jesus doesn't focus in on protest. He doesn't focus in on how badly we've been treated as a people. He preaches forgiveness. This is why he was blowing their minds Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they're like, are you gonna restore the kingdom now? Can we get even? (laughs) You know, can the throne of David be restored? Even after he was raised from the dead, they're still asking that question. We're so tired of this oppression. Yeah. And yet he said, I'm not gonna address this. This Mm -hmm. we get into this will spiral down into very, very low level behavior. I'm gonna preach the king, I'm gonna preach freedom. Joseph was free, even though he was a slave, he was in a dungeon. He kept the promise and the word of God before him. Let's face it, if Joseph was offended, he would have jumped in bed with that woman. Mm-hmm. Yes.
4: wow He would so have said, what good has it
1: done that I've obeyed God? What good has it done? I'm in an, I, I'm, I've been a slave for 10 years, my brothers have gotten everything my father has. I'm the one that obeyed God. They're a bunch of Mm -hmm. crooks, they're a bunch of Mm -hmm. murderers. Why should I obey God? I'm jumping in bed with this woman. Yeah. And but he was a free man. Yeah. He wasn't enslaved to his offense.
3: The big question is: how do we move towards reconciliation? How do we move? Towards this forgiveness, because you can ask for forgiveness, but unless people give it to you, Mm. what do you do? Great question.
1: Reconciliation occurs, and reconciliation, forgiveness are two totally different things. Look at the cross; it's a perfect example. Jesus forgave us before we ever said "I'm sorry," but yet we were not reconciled back to Him until we said "I'm sorry." But what led until we repented and said, I'm sorry, you were right. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Then we were reconciled into a good relationship. So what led us, what led us to that repentance, the goodness and kindness of God. He was good to us before we ever said, I'm sorry. He gave us his sunshine before I ever said, I'm sorry. He gave me food before I ever said, I'm sorry. He gave me, he gave me clothes to wear before I ever said, I'm sorry. He was good to me. And. That's what brings right when Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, go to him. He's saying create an atmosphere of goodness and kindness that's going to make them want to say, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. You know, I will say this, though. I want to deal with our attitudes. Um, You know, that pastor that tried to destroy me. And I want you to stop and think about it. I had about. Three hundred dollars to my name. I have two babies I've got to feed. I have no plan B. And if this guy fires me, my I'm going to be on welfare, unemployment welfare, because I have nothing and I have no plan B. And it it was hard. I mean, it was 18 months of him trying to destroy my life. And when when God walked me through that forgiveness with him. Two years later, I saw him in an airport and I'm not kidding overwhelming love and compassion rose up in my heart. I grabbed him and hugged him and said, oh, my gosh, it's so good to see you. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not being a phony right now. I actually really, really had that in my heart because I'd really forgiven him. And, you know, he's never looked at me and said, I'm sorry for what he did. Never. Wow. But I don't care. I don't need that because why? The Bible says it's a glory of a man to overlook an offense. Hmm. And I had the decision I had to make. Am I gonna wait for him to say, I'm, I'm sorry? Or am I gonna overlook it? Hmm. And am I going to extend real genuine love? Now I wouldn't enter into a relationship with him now to this day until it got square. But I sure am. If he's in trouble, I'm going to help him. If he, if I see him, I'm going to extend genuine love and kindness. I'm going to ask him how his family's doing, how his welfare is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do whatever. But as far as entering into a, a relationship, well, there needs to be there needs to be some reconciliation. And so it's up to it, it's up to him.
2: How do you pursue that reconciliation? So if you have done the wrong thing if say you you know you were offended I mean I've gone through stuff uh, I've even had situations recently where I did take offense where I, I, I shouldn't have but I did and it hurt And, yeah. and so I reacted out of that offense because I was hurt and then you know you step back and you go gosh I really want reconciliation but now you've offended the other person because you were offended <laughs> what are some practical things that we can do let's talk practically i mean i know i've got family members and i've got people yeah. you know as a pastor i know of that have this and they mm-hmm. cannot seem to reconcile how do we do that
1: that's why i i believe scripture says in as much as possible with you live peaceably with all men I, i'm constantly yeah. dealing with this um you know daughters who are sons that dad will have nothing to do with them and treats them cruelly and horribly every time they try to go around. Yeah. And I said, okay, don't, you know, even David left the palace when, when Saul was throwing spears at him because Saul just was in a place that he was in an irreconcilable state.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. David, yeah. David, had, David had to walk wisely.
0: Yeah,
1: he had, to, he had to give Saul a wide berth, but he, he blessed whenever he could bless. And what I tell those people, as I said, cool. send gifts. Okay. You know, uh, send emails, send gifts, make calls. Just make sure you're not in a place that they're if they're just verbally abusing you to the degree that you can't even. You're like, this is unhealthy. Then just do just do the cards in the mail, do the gifts. You know, just mm-hmm. pray. That's, that's very important. Prayer. Oh my gosh, that's so, that. That's what brought healing to me. And uh, you know, it's like. I have to examine my heart. Do, what, what is in my heart towards people? Hmm. And if there's something wrong, I need to make sure it gets right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I and I'm going to and, and I've got to steer people that direction. You know, we are ministers of reconciliation, not just to God, but to each other. So I do believe that our preaching will bring healing, but we're trying to go about it the wrong way. We're doing it the way the flesh would want it done instead of really understanding the principle of what Jesus did. He set our example, yet we're diverting from his example so quickly. And so I I just I, I just have to say I'm going to keep you know, I told our whole team, I said, we're not getting in this. I said, Jesus didn't protest. Jesus didn't speak out about the oppression of the Jewish people by the Romans. I said, he preached the kingdom because it's a higher way of getting people free. If I jump in this, I'm just going to be like everybody else. And this thing's going to go on until Paul says, you're going to bite and devour one another. Wow. But, but Jesus said, I've come in to show you a higher way. This is why he's blowing these guys minds. He says, eye for an eye tooth for tooth. That's what you guys lived under when you were ruled by your flesh but I'm showing you a new way and I'm going to be the first to illustrate this new way. Mm -hmm. I am going to forgive the people that pierced my hands with nails.
4: But I think it's important too, for us to point out that, you know, how we protest, you know, today might look different, but I I don't know if I, I think I would push back a little that Jesus did in protest because I think his ministry and in preaching the kingdom was a protest. You know, I think, very first sermon he goes in the middle of the temple and he said the spirit of the lord is upon me right "To, to preach good news to the poor and to set the captives free um his ministry is filled with people who are at the margins who he gave life to you know he had jews and samaritans and yet loved the samaritan woman um but i guess my my question i would i would i would ask too is When we talk about being reconcilers, I think one of the things that, I I loved how you separated and said, well, this is what forgiveness looks like. This is what reconciliation looks like. Um, But I think from the other side, when we've offended and we've caused harm, I think that there's also patterns in scripture that we are to repair that relationship. Um, And I think Zacchaeus is a perfect example. Um, I think that Zacchaeus hurt his people. He hurt them for a long time. And for him to just ask for forgiveness and say, hey, I'm following the example of Jesus, now you need to forgive me, I think that would have been incomplete. And I think that's why we have stories like Zacchaeus where he had to actually go and repair um, and he actually had to pay back some of the money that he stole and he did it above and beyond. What does the example of Zacchaeus teach us? Because I think part of us being reconcilers is also realizing that we got to do some of this work of repairing some of the hurt we've caused.
1: Zacchaeus behavior was good. What liberated him. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it opened the door for authentic relationship to be restored. Uh, Paul who murdered people for following Jesus couldn't get those lives back. I don't know that he actually went and made restitution to all the families. Maybe he did. We don't have record of that. There are some things, you know, it's just like um, if, if, that man who tried to destroy my life came to me and said, "John, I want to make it right." I would say you owe me nothing because I'm free.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, if I wasn't free, I would have said, "You, you need to pay. You, you need to." Mm-hmm. This is what a, a, a lawsuit is. Okay, you <laughs> caused me emotional and my family emotional torture for 18 months. Mm -hmm. you need, you know, we need to go to the court of law and you need to give me a million dollars for the mental torture that I lived through for 18 months. Mm -hmm. No, that man knows me nothing. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: And if he came to me and he said, John, I really want to restore a relationship. I'm so deeply sorry for what all I did to you. I'd say forgiven. Let's be friends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that, you know, even Jesus was reaching out to Judas By giving him that bread, even when he knew what he was about to do, because he's like, I'm going to do everything I can to win my brother back. And, Mm. you know, it's just, Hank, it's just it's a really, really rough thing, because when when is it when is it restitution finished? Mm. I mean, when when do the Turkish people really repay the Armenians for what they did for the millions that they slaughtered? Mm. And, you know, if that's that's why. Jesus's preaching of forgiveness was blown away. So I believe Zacchaeus, what he was doing was really freeing himself. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: secondly, opening the door for genuine, genuine restored relationship with people that he had once hurt. Yeah, I
4: think, yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think that that's the work, right? And I think that would be, I would say that would be the third aspect. So not just forgiveness um, and reconciliation, but, all of us then have to figure out what, what do we have to do to make it right? So for Zacchaeus, it was paying back. For you, it would be that person asking for a relationship. So I just think there's that step and I don't want that step to get missing because I think for a lot of people, um, we, we call out unity, unity, um, and why are we so separated? But we're not willing to do that work of being in right relationship. So I think, I, yeah, I think God's creative. I think God's amazing. And I think God uses all of us differently And we have different relationships, but if we're not at least willing to do some of that work, I don't know if we can have unity. If that brother, just like if that brother doesn't come to you and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, I want to be in right relationship," I don't know if you can be in right relationship. You know, Um, you can be free, and you are free, but you're not in right relationship. So I think that's kind of where I was coming from. Was yeah, like, and I think the Paul example is great. It's brilliant because we don't know if he had to, if he went back and asked for forgiveness. We do know the first Christians were a little skeptical, you know, and I think his life and work was trying to be in that right relationship. So, yeah, for me, that's the third prong that I think we often sometimes forget. We know forgiveness. We know reconciliation. But I don't know if we work hard enough for right relationship.
3: I think there might be some people that are watching today that maybe they've been done wrong and the person that did wrong to them Mm -hmm. is no longer alive. There is no forgiveness or okay. any kind of thing that can be done to bring a mending. Wow. You know, I'm sitting here thinking my heart is burdened right now for um, some people who are hurting. And you know, what is the self talk? What are the things that they need some action steps? They've heard us today. They've heard the word, but what can they do today to start talking? What scriptures, what, what thoughts, what do they need to begin to do to let it go?
1: So um, I was in Indonesia and I was staying at a very wealthy family's home. And the mother lived there of the husband. The husband owned a factory. Um, they had The mother had paid for three of my kids, my wife and my ticket to fly over there to minister. The mother looks at me and she goes, Brother John, I did everything you said to do in all of those services. She said, why didn't I experienced the presence of God. She said, in fact, why have I never experienced the presence of God? Wow. So I put my hand on top of her head and I began to pray. And no kidding, Carolyn, I felt like the presence and power of God went right through my arm and stopped at the end of my hand and couldn't go any further. Wow. And I'm baffled. I mean, like I can, you know how Jesus felt power go out from him. I can feel the power stopping at the end of my hand. And now I'm bewildered. And I looked inside and I said, God, what's going on here? And he said, she, she refused to forgive her husband.
4: Mm.
1: Now I know, I know I'm sitting there now. The husband's dead. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this?
4: Mm.
1: And so I, I pulled my hand off and I said, um, I said, ma'am, I said, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And I said, um, you haven't forgiven your husband. You still hold unforgiveness against him. Oh my gosh. I said, is that true? She looked at me and she dropped her head and she, she goes like this. Wow. I said, unless you forgive your husband, You will never experience the presence of God because if you do not forgive, you'll not be forgiven. Yeah. I said, So do you want to keep punning? Do you want to keep being separated from the presence of God? Mm. She said, No. I said, Then you have no choice. If you want the presence, if you want to enter into an authentic relationship with God, you need to forgive your husband. She told me what her husband did. He would sleep with girls while she was in the house. He would bring young girls in, sleep with them, while while she's listening to this going on in the house. And I just lead her in a prayer. First thing she prayed was, "God, forgive me. I've sinned against you by holding unforgiveness against my husband." That's the first thing I led her in.
2: Okay.
1: Because two wrongs never make a right. Your what was done to you may be a sin but your sin of holding unforgiveness is not justified by what was done to you. So good. So the first thing I got to get her free from is her own sin and get her to confess to God. She has sinned against him by holding unforgiveness. So I had her confess her sin and repent of it. Then I had her say out loud, father, I forgive my husband lay not the sin to his charge. Just what Jesus said. They don't know what they're doing. Okay, now I'm not kidding. (laughs) As soon as she says this, the presence of God literally consumes the whole area. She starts speaking in a beautiful heavenly language.
0: Mm.
1: I open my eyes and tears are coming down her face, rolling down her face. And I look at her face and every time I looked at her even though she bought all my kids tickets there was just a coldness about her face I looked at her face and it was it was soft it was warm it was it was like a baby it was it was it was it was it was, it was like an innocent it was like an innocent little girl looking up at me I'll never forget I was standing up she was sitting down my hand was on and she looks up and I I see the face of a beautiful little girl And tears are just pouring down. And I said, isn't it wonderful, the presence of God? She goes, yes. I showed her what Jesus did for us as an example. And I just think you have to come to a point where you go, when are we going to do what Jesus says to do?
2: John, I think we need that, you know, uh, so desperately right now. Um, I, I think overall, you know, the message in all of this is, listen, you can hold on to offense if you want to. But really, it is hurting you. Do you want to move on? Do you want to have joy? Do you want to have peace? Do you want to have the spirit of God? And I think there's a lot of people that need that right now, that that have helped, felt that hindrance to the Holy Spirit, that have felt that hindrance to God's blessing because of holding on to unforgiveness. Would you lead our viewers and us in a similar prayer that you prayed for this woman yeah. with this woman?
1: I hurt for her when she told me what he did, some of the things he did. And I know there's people watching right now. People have really, really hurt you. Your pain is real. But the pain that Jesus experienced was real and he put his love in your heart, which gives you the ability to be able to forgive. And that's the only way any of us can forgive is because of what he put in our hearts. The Holy Spirit sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. I'm so deeply sorry. And I'll say this to you as a fellow human being. For how terribly you've been treated, how terribly your parents were treated, or your family was treated, your spouse was treated, your children were treated. So I just want to pray with you right now. Just say this with me Father in heaven. Father in heaven, please forgive me.
3: Please forgive
1: me. I've sinned against you.
3: I've sinned against
1: you. I've refused to forgive.
2: I've refused to forgive. I've
1: held and, harbored an, offense,
2: I've and held harbored an offense.
1: And I realize I'm wrong. I ask you to cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. And in this very moment,
3: in this very moment
1: from, my heart, from my heart, I'm asking you to put your love in my heart fresh.
3: To put your love in my heart.
1: And I'm going to act on that love even right now.
3: I'm going to that love right now. And that,
1: I to and that I choose to forgive. Whoever the person or persons are, I want you to name them out loud right now. If it's your mother, it's your uncle, your father, a pastor, if it's a group of people, I want you to say this I forgive you in the presence of God.
3: I forgive you in the presence of
1: God. You owe me nothing.
3: You owe me nothing.
1: In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen.
0: I can't speak more highly of John, Lisa, and the entire Bevere family. There are a plethora of resources for your development in the spirit uh, available on messengerinternational.org. Uh, I really encourage all those resources, all the books him and Lisa and their children have written, uh, among all of the other resources, podcasts, social media feeds. They are so active and so uh, helpful on a day-to-day basis. And thank you so much again, John. I hope everyone takes the time to renew their minds. And,
1: and Joseph, can and, I say this just for the sake, because um, this is this is the book. Uh, it's called the bait of Satan, yes. and they can get it on Amazon. The bait of Satan. The bait is being offended. They can get it on Amazon. They can get it online. They can get it, bookstores everywhere. I just, um, and the only reason I say it is, I know that when you when you have something that has been so deep, yeah. You know, bitterness is called a root in the Bible. And I just noticed there's some weeds in our backyard that I need to get my gloves on tomorrow morning and I need to get them out. Some of them are pretty big because they've been neglected and they're going to be a little harder to pull out of the ground. So everybody's at a different area. My my policy has been, Joseph, don't allow those roots to get too deep to where they're difficult to pull out, to where you actually need now deliverance. Yeah. So what the bait of Satan does, I believe, is it keeps a Teflon coating on our spirit. The fences just fall off of us. So I'm sorry I interrupted you, but no, I just no.
0: no oh,
2: people not. need that book.
0: Yes, yeah. everyone should get that book. Um, but truly, take some time to renew your mind. Take some time to examine your perspective, and start to walk in the forgiveness and love of Christ, as John prayed at the end. Uh, I think this time, as John illustrated with his story, and with the coronavirus, look, we don't know what if we're going to have mm-hmm. another day. So. Forgive today. Hmm. Take them, take the time to forgive today and really walk in the love of Christ. And we hopefully we can come to a closer unity as mentioned in John 17, 23. We God desires that unity and we're walking closer and closer to it every day. Stay with God. We'll see you next time on the full life for more conversations.